At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hour two of the nightcap here on VSIN. Tim Murray, Scott Seidenberg with you live from the Circus Sportsbook. We've got game two, Lakers and Suns. That one midway through the second quarter and a surprising start in Los Angeles. Under three to go in the first quarter and the Dallas Mavericks up eight. 31 to 23. I thought this would be a, a sense of, of urgency. Um, so far, not seeing it. And defensively, uh, the Clippers have not been able to stop this red-hot shooting Dallas Mavericks team as you've got Tim Hardaway Jr. You mentioned him. Already a couple of threes. Uh, Luka Doncic has a three. So a really impressive start for the plus-seven Mavericks crowd, which includes one of us, and it wasn't me. <laughs> yeah, uh, Hardaway's got ten points already, uh, four or five shooting from the field. You mentioned the two three-pointers that he made. Luka's got two assists, but, you know, I, we expect that to get uh, much higher. He's three of five shooting from the field. He's got seven points. And then Porzingis, just one of three from the field, two points. I'll expect more from him as the game progresses, but it's really been about Tim Hardaway Jr. right now hitting those uh, those two threes. So it's been a good start for Dallas. Yeah, and if you've got the uh, the over on Tim Hardaway Jr. sitting there at 16 and a half, you know, had what he had 25 in the first game and 21, now, yeah. 21 in the first game already starting the game with 10. Uh, looks like we're going to have a, I think a media timeout here with the Lakers. Uh, but yeah, we'll see with the Clippers uh, like, like for a for a happy, happy table. Uh, we're looking for a six a, point, a six yeah. point. It can be one point. I don't care. Uh, just a Clippers win, a Mavericks cover. Uh, but the Lakers, we both need the Lakers to take care of business here tonight. And 44-38, the Lakers have a lead. And you're starting to see Dennis Schroeder start to play pretty well. And this was a guy, when you saw early on in the year when he was out uh, with injury, they were completely different. Um, you know, he was a massive upgrade for them. They believed, right, over Rajon Rondo, who, when he went to the bubble, truly became playoff Rondo. He was hitting step back threes. He was hitting elbow jumpers. It was it was unusual to see. But you know, preseason, I think a lot of us thought Scott this team's actually better than the championship team. And in the play-in, Schroeder was lost. They mm-hmm. benched him. And this is what they expected. He's already got a couple of threes, 12 points. This is what the Lakers need if they want to ultimately be back-to-back champions. And Anthony Davis, aggressive to the bucket there, so he's got 10. So your big boys, Davis, LeBron, and uh, Dennis Schroeder, already all in double figures, 10, 10, and 12, respectively, as the Lakers have an eight-point lead. You're also seeing guys get big-time minutes, like Kyle Kuzma. We know he's traditionally going to get it. But Marcus Gasol's played nine minutes already. Yeah. Didn't even in play in game. game one. Did not play in game one. He's one of two from three-point range. Uh, he hit the first one, shot a second one as a little bit of a heat check, right? We see mm-hmm. that happen from time to time. Guys get in the game, and they hit their first shot, so they'll shoot some more. But big-time minutes from Gasol, I wonder how that's going to play out moving forward 
forward in this game? Does he play more minutes to give guys like Drummond and maybe AD a rest? Drummond has been very physical inside, which I think is something that you have to do against DeAndre Ayton and this team. You have to utilize your physicality, and so far we're seeing that from Drummond. A little bit not enough from Gasol, but if Gasol plays more minutes, I think that's going to be good for this Lakers team. Well, and 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 Andre Drummond, and we'll talk to JVT here in about a minute, is is a very intriguing player for the Lakers this postseason because against the Warriors, he needed to get off the floor. He was detrimental. We saw the run in the third quarter happen when he was out there as the five. They go small. They put AD at the five, and it's a completely different team. Then in game one, AD gets dominated by DeAndre Ayton. He has 16 points. Andre Drummond just completed a a three-point play. He's got 11 and 10. Already, <laughs> already in this game with under three minutes to go. And you, you mentioned, you know, a guy like, you know, DeAndre Ayton. Is he going to be able to body up someone like Drummond? And if he's guarding him on the other side, Scott, does that lead to him getting tired? So Frank Vogel's got a very uh, interesting puzzle to kind of put together here uh, because Andre Drummond tonight is a massive asset to them. Well, Aiton's been the guy so far for the Suns, 6 of 6 with 12 points, so they really have to find a way to slow him down. JVT going to join us here in just a moment. We got Lakers-Suns underway late in the first half. Clippers and Mavericks. Let's get it rolling here on the night. We keep it rolling. Hour number two of the nightcap. The Lakers with an 11-point lead under three media timeout as they lead 49-38. to And the Mavericks owning a now two-point lead after a Clippers corner three, 33-31. That one late in the first quarter. That's Scott Seidenberg. I'm Tim Murray. Let's bring in our senior NBA analyst who's been uh, co-host or filling in for uh, for Mr. Alexander. So he's up early in the mornings this week, so we appreciate you uh, staying up with us here, JVT. And first and foremost, my man, cash that Julius Randle, most improved player. Nice. Well done, sir. Yeah, uh, you know, and look, it looked like it was a long time coming for the most part. It was one of those, Tim, where you saw the writing on the wall, I'd say, for the last two months or so, and he was the odds-on favor for a while near the end of the year. And it, I don't know if you saw the ballot. He killed it. I think he had 98 of the 100 first-place votes, so well-deserving, man. Like, what he did with his game was incredible. Three-point shooting, his passing, every level of his game had been improved. There was no better candidate this year. Uh, I, I want to get to, because this is a team, and I saw you on Twitter, and I understood where you were coming from, because... Teams lose game one all the time. Um, And who knows how this game unfolds. We're having you on uh, mid-game here with the Clippers. But you're high on the Clippers. uh, And they're struggling a little bit here early on against the Mavericks. Down four late in the first quarter. What would you say through five quarters in the postseason has been uh, their bugaboo? And, And are you worried at all how this team has played so far to start the postseason? I mean, uh, I don't know what else you could do. So, like, for today, for example, this is a really good example for the Clippers, right? So, Kawhi Leonard is shooting free throws number, it looks like, uh, 10 and 11 for the Clippers so far. So, they've done a much better job of getting into the free throw line early, Tim. They have an offensive rating right now of 122.7. That's really good. That's extremely good. The problem is the Mavericks have an offensive rating of 150 right now. Like, uh, like the shot-making has been insane for the Dallas Mavericks. And I saw a couple of writers pointed out right now, like, you know, this is a team in the Clippers that, remember, finished the year first overall 
long three-point shooting, first and corner three-point shooting, first and non-corner three-point shooting. It's a really good three-point shooting team. Game one, they shoot 27% from beyond the arc and still put up an offensive rating of 123. So I think really, like the first game when you looked at that, it came down to shot making and Kawhi Leonard lost a little bit. The defensive game plan needed some tweaking and today you've seen that tweaking, right? Paul George uh, immediately took up the mantle of defending Luka Doncic. You're seeing Kawhi switch on to him a little bit more often pretty early. But like at the same time, the shot making has been nuts for the Dallas Mavericks. So if they keep making the shots at the rate that they are, you know, it's going to be a tough series for the Clippers. But I would say looking at the numbers, expecting some regression and some normal pot, you know, some normal spots like the Mavericks shooting nearly 60% from three. Like I think if those things start to come back to the pack here, this Clippers team is still going to be in a decent spot to win this series. But if they keep giving them open shots, these guys are going to keep taking them. I mean, you look at what happened in game one, whether it was Finney Smith or Tim Hardaway Jr. And you're seeing it again here in game two. Hardaway is already shooting it from three. He's got 10 points already, and it seems like Luca's finding his teammates that are being left open for these good looks so far by this Clippers defense. I mean, uh, observationally, when I'm watching, there's a couple open shots, but there's also like a guy with a hand in the face, Luka Doncic fading away, falling back, and hitting some of those shots, right? Like logo three-point shots. Some of those are nuts in terms of the level of shot making. And a high-level player like Doncic, Hardaway Jr. is a very good player, Dorian Finney-Smith, very good three-point shooter. You know, but at some point, some level of these shots, you know, you'd expect to regress to the meet a little bit because these aren't all wide-open shots. Some of these have been contested looks that are going down for them. So you get some regression there. I, I think there's going to be some positive. And look, look, the Mavericks, again, through two games now, a defensive rating of over 122 is not very good. And so if you can actually get some regression on your side, if you're the Clippers, and again, get into the free throw line today, I think you're in a good spot here to win this game and even the series up. So we'll see what happens. But of course, you know, at first quarter just ended, so you got three quarters to go tonight. Yeah, just win. Just win, Clippers. It's all, it's all I care about. Uh, 35-33, Mavericks lead after one quarter. Uh, we'll hit on the Lakers here quickly, and then we'll jump to some, some other topics of teams not playing while we're chatting with you. Uh, the Lakers' rotation, um, we've already seen Marcus Gasol play and, uh, and, he didn't, you know, and Markeith Morris. Does it feel to you like Frank Vogel is still trying to figure out what is the proper rotation? Uh, in the play-in game against the Warriors, Andre Drummond was a liability. Tonight, he's a massive asset, already a double-double. So if you're Frank Vogel, uh, JVT, do you feel like he's still trying to figure out the chess pieces here for this team? I think he kind of knows what he has to do, right? It's just what, like, what he's going to do with it. Like, for example, you know, they, Anthony Davis is not going to play like an entire game of the five. I think we know that he's clearly not comfortable doing it. You know, he is a kid that grew up in his very young years, was a perimeter player, but then shot up in terms of his growth, right? And it shows in his game at times. And it's funny, you know, you saw the tweet. I think it was during the Golden State Warriors game, right? Anthony Davis, what he's really good at, pick and rolls and playing the five. What he hates doing, pick and rolls and playing the five. <laughs> yeah. So, like, there's like. There's like a thing with AD that really it's part of like, uh, I don't know, I guess ego for lack of a better term. So you're going to see these bigs out there. I do think, you know, Will Hill, who contributes for points per weekly, and I were chatting about this on Twitter during the playing game. If you're going to go with a traditional big, Marcus Gasol does make some sense, right? He stretches the floor a little bit more at times than Andre Drummond, although he doesn't really seem to be willing to shoot open three-point shots. He's also a better passer than Drummond. So those kind of things, I think, are going to help them out. So I think it's more of... If you're, I think he's got it down. I think you really just need to split up those traditional five minutes a little bit more between Gasol and Drummond than he was before, as opposed to just like a strictly diet of Andre Drummond and potentially Montrezl Harrell. Like that wasn't working out. So if you divvy those minutes up a little bit between the two traditional guys, I think you got something cooking. All right, JBT, let's talk about my Knicks. I got a heavy liability on them to win this series against the Hawks. Game one was a gut punch, 107-105. And Julius Randle, your guy, won the most improved player. Six of 23 from the field. 
field. We don't expect him to be that poorly uh, from the field in Game 2. Do you expect a Knicks bounce back at the Garden in front of their fans in Game 2? So I'm not sure. I, I thought this was really fascinating, right? So you and I are head-to-head on this one. I, I bet the Hawks pre-series uh, to win this Me thing too. at minus 120. And the thing that with the Hawks that I found interesting coming out of game one was if you're the Knicks, you ask yourself, okay, sure, Julius Randle, does he go 6-23 again? Potentially not. DeAndre Hunter is, you know, a little bit of a difference here in this series. You know, coming back, being able to guard him, uh, taking some of those possessions down the stretch against Alec Burks, who could not miss a single freaking shot for some reason. But that kind of ties into the question I have for the Knicks is, are they going to score 60 points with their reserve unit every single game? Because if that's not going to be the case, I think there is a big gap between the starters for the Atlanta Hawks and the starters for the New York Knicks. You know, you saw it at times when those Hawks were, were out there, especially those starting units. Of course, once you got D'Angelo, you know, Danilo Gallinari with this stupid mohawk off the floor, then you started to see some things gel. Bogdan Bogdanovich is a very good perimeter player, good in clutch scoring, and has done it anecdotally, right, in uh, cups that are not here in our country. You know, you look across the board, you can have so much versatility with these lineups, whether it's Clint Capella at the five, whether it's Sean Collins at the five, putting all these shooters out there. So that's why I like the Hawks Briar. And when I watched that game, while it was a really tightly contested game and a fun game, I just kept asking myself, is Alec Burks going to have a career game every single night? Because if that's not going to be the case, I think there's a gap between these two teams offensively. And then that's where you get the separation between the two. So I, I don't know what's going to happen in game two. You know, it's still very tight contest overall. You know, it was only $1.20 before the series started on the series price. Uh, I tend to think that the Hawks still, I had them in six. So I wouldn't be shocked if the Knicks win this. You go back to Atlanta and the Knicks lose both of those and you go back to MSG trying to, you know, at least take one more. We're talking once again to JVT at me, JVT, Jonathan Von Tobel, our senior NBA analyst. Check out Hardwood Handicappers, his podcast, and also uh, he's filling in all week, right, JVT, for Gil on uh, a numbers Uh, game? Two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. Yeah, this week and next week. Woo! Um, Switching boroughs, heading to Brooklyn just a dominating performance tonight. And, yep. you know, the scary thing about Brooklyn, I mentioned this in the start of the show, JVT, is it, Durant and Kyrie and James Harden all went under their player props of points tonight. And that's what has to scare you if you're the opposition of the Brooklyn Nets. Because how often have we seen it that, okay, we're going to key in on the three best players. And if even if they don't have great games, they've got a guy like Joe Harris who's lethal from three offensively, I don't know how this team gets slowed down. You know, when you look at the Bucs, are the Bucs a good matchup for, uh, are they a difficult matchup, I should say, for Brooklyn? Because they love the run and they've got, you know, Giannis, who's an incredibly difficult task to uh, slow down. Yeah, I mean, they're a more difficult matchup for sure, right? You know, I, I think they have, just off the top of your head, you think about the big three for Brooklyn. We got three guys you can throw at them defensively, right? You have a Drew Holiday, you have a Chris Middleton, you have a Giannis Antetokounmpo. They just match up physically with their big three. So that gives you a, a little bit more ease than you are with the Boston Celtics, right? The Celtics, I did, you know, I was talking about this all the time, Tim, before the series. You know, play the game where you just draw the, you know, write the names on a piece of paper and draw the lines to the guys you think are matching up with who. Who in the world is matching up with Kevin Durant? You know what I mean? They have yeah. nobody from a physical standpoint that would match up with KD, you at least have that with the Milwaukee Bucks. So it would still be a very difficult series. But I still think overall, you know, one of the things, what I have I harp to you overall, my problem with the Bucks throughout the entire year, they actually showed up in game one against Miami, 
perimeter defense. You can't finish 29th in the NBA into opponent three-point shooting and expect to win a title. I don't want to hear about you trying things out all year long. This is now four out of the last five, no, excuse me, three out of the last four years in which they have finished bottom 20s in opponent three-point shooting. The outlier year is when they finished 18th. So, like, this is going to be a problem for this team in a series like this. And I'll say this about tonight, too. You know, you mentioned the big three in terms of their scoring and going under their props. You know, all we talked about all season long, oh, man, this team, they suck defensively. Defensive rating of 108 tonight. You know what I mean? So, like, even if you're if you're Boston, not only the worrisome part is that the big three weren't dominant, you got nothing against this team that's in the bottom 20s defensively in terms of their efficiency. Like, that's even more worrisome, you know? Speaking of the Bucks, you know, their series price right now is just astronomical if you want to bet them to beat the Heat in this first-round series. But if you want to bet the series to go under five-and-a-half games, that's actually the favored bet right now. You're looking at DraftKings, uh, and then you have um, the under six-and-a-half is obviously, well, you know, massive price. But you have, you know, minus 205 is not bad. Uh, you're not paying the minus 670 uh, for under six-and-a-half. Does this series make it to a game six in your mind, JBT? So I, that was my original like prediction, right? In the write-ups on the website, I had Bucks in six. I, I thought that the Heat would be able to take two, but I was talking to a couple people today, and you know, I can kind of get talked into this being like a five, uh, you know, five-game series potentially. You know, hot shooting night could potentially do anything here. You know, the problem is uh, before the series started, guys, a lot of people kept going back to Orlando, but there's a lot of different factors between the Orlando bubble and these two teams now. First off, is the obvious, right? Not a neutral court. You're traveling. You're playing home court. The second is that this Miami team last year, I will, I kept harping on this, that was the second best three-point shooting team in the league last year. This is the 19th best three-point shooting team in the league last year, or this year. And then you see the shooting fall off in the second game. You see the fact that on the season, bottom half in terms of rim defense, second half of the season in the 20s in terms of rim defense, Milwaukee through two games, over 70% within four feet of the basket. Like, There's so many different weaknesses for this Miami team. And Milwaukee has very much been dead set on exploiting those weaknesses. In that first game, shot well over 70% within four feet, still won that game and overcame a 16% shooting game, uh, shooting night. Like, the gap is larger between these two teams than I expected. And I thought it was going to be a six-game series in favor of the Bucks. So I, I could talk myself into this being like a five-game series for sure. Yeah, it was funny. We were talking about it yesterday, and, and so many people out there on the uh, gambling Twitter sphere, oh, what, Miami plus 290? This is a, this is a steal. Well, Drew Holiday is a massive upgrade. They're over still Eric, living in the bubble. <laughs> Eric, Eric Bledsoe. And, and I heard this point too, JBT, regards to Miami. You know, people are now game planning for Tyler Hero. People are game planning for Duncan Robinson. They're not just emerging on you and having these monster games. So, uh, there, there's, yeah, there's a lot of differences uh, with Miami. Uh, last night, we saw Denver just take care of business in, a, in really a must-win spot against the Portland Trailblazers. I know you were on Denver pre-series. I jumped in after they lost game one uh, at a pretty nice price of plus 290. After those first two games, uh, from what from what we saw from, from both Denver and Portland, where do you stand on that series? Because it was funny. It felt like everyone wrote off the Denver Nuggets after they lost game one. And, you know, the Blazers still can't play defense. That That's, that's kind of a thing. Yep. Yeah, so I think that there's some interesting parallels, I think, Tim, between this Bucks and, and uh, Heat series and this Nuggets-Portland um, series, right? And, and really, in reality, what it is, is just simply is when you look at the teams, all four of them, 
in the performances we've seen up to this point in the four games between the two series, what has been sustainable, right? And why I think there's parallels is if you saw in game one for both teams, Milwaukee and Denver, both teams did one thing extremely well, and that was attack within four feet of the basket. Denver was 21 to 27 within four feet of the basket, had an offensive rating of about 119 against the Portland Trailblazers, but was one of these many home teams. Remember, we had this weird thing in the home games over the weekend where all the home teams in game one shot under, uh, was it 27% overall, and none shot better than 33% from three, right? And we had Portland go into that game in game one and just destroy them from beyond the arc. It was a fantastic shooting night. So you ask yourself as you go forward, and the same thing with the Miami-Milwaukee series, what is sustainable going forward in this series? Is it Portland shooting nearly 50% for the series from beyond the arc? Maybe. Four games is not a larger sample size. We'd expect that to regress to the mean. But Denver exploiting the 23rd defense in terms of frequency of attempts at the rim seems pretty sustainable in my mind. So what happens? Denver comes in again yesterday, not only continues to dominate Portland within four feet of the basket, but the shooting corrects itself. And that's what you saw with Miami and Milwaukee. Milwaukee dominated with four feet in game one. They did it again in game two, and then the shooting corrected itself yet again, and you saw massive performances from both of those teams. And so I think going forward, Tim, like again, you ask yourself, what is sustainable over this course of a best-of-seven series? I think more often than not, the recurrence is going to be a team that can exploit another team within four feet if they are very weak, and that's the Denver Nuggets. And keep in mind, Monte Morris looks much healthier now. He had a great game yesterday looked much livelier off the bounce got more minutes you have the now the defensive game plan here of Aaron Gordon is probably going to take more minutes defensively against Damian Lillard and he get Will Barton coming back at some point so I, I still feel the same way I think this is a series that Denver could win thought it was going to be a seven game series so not surprising that they split these but you obviously want to split the series now uh, the two that you're going to have in Portland and come back home with it check out JVT filling in for Gill for the next two weeks a numbers game each and every morning uh, here on VEASAN from 10 to noon Eastern. JVT, you're the man. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Take it easy, guys. Thank you. There he is, at me, JVT, on Twitter. I know you wanted to follow up. He made up. a great point at the end when he closed out with the Aaron Gordon switch on Damian Lillard. He, mm-hmm. he made only one three-pointer Lillard did in the second half. We saw him go off in the first half. The defensive adjustment to move Gordon onto him is going to pay off, and I wonder how it's going to affect the Lillard point props for Game 3 if they decide to go Aaron Gordon on him defensively for the majority of this game. Lakers and Suns are at the half. We'll get you a halftime line. We'll get you an updated total as well. We had a hockey game conclude, surprise, surprise, in overtime and Mavericks and Clippers. we got a lot to update you on. We'll get you all updated next right here on the Nightcap. We keep it rolling here on the nightcap. Scott Seidenberg, Tim Murray with you. We uh, we decided to uh, mimic Uniforms. each other. Yeah, we, yeah. We, we called each other. And we said, Blue Blazer today, you know, <laughs> just like we did in uh, in middle school. So the Blue Blazers and the T-shirts was the, uh, the uniform today on a busy day. Lakers leading at the half, 53 to 47. And it's been a balanced attack for the Lakers. You look at their starting lineup, Scott. 10 from Anthony Davis, we would have preferred more. 10 from LeBron James, 4 assists. Andre Drummond already has a double-double. 10 points, or excuse me, 11 points, 10 rebounds. And then Dennis Schroeder, who was just awful in the play-in game and really didn't play all that well in Game 1, has been great 
already over his point total prop tonight. He's got 16 points. He's got a couple of threes. He's playing very well. Lakers have a six-point lead at the half. And as you look over your shoulder, the uh, the Lakers, I believe, are laying two in the second half here. Live Sorry. player props, uh, according to DraftKings, LeBron over under 24.5 points. Hmm. The under is juiced. Devin Booker, 28.5 with the under juiced as well. And I, uh, I, I mis- was mistaken there. It's actually Suns minus one for the second half. So Lakers minus five for the full game. 53-47, taking a look at, uh, at the Suns so far. Devin Booker, 12 points coming off that 34-point performance. DeAndre Ayton has been a beast so far. Yeah. Uh, they've just been throwing up lobs. The Lakers have had really a challenging time slowing him down. He's 7-for-7 seven seven from the field. I'm pretty sure six of those are dunks. <laughs> uh, he's got 14 points, only two rebounds. And, you know, something you mentioned, and there's a reason why his player prop was so low with that shoulder, Chris Paul has just five points. He's 2-of-5 from the field. He does have three assists. This was something that, you know, this led into... Why I looked at the Lakers tonight, in addition to you know LeBron in a bounce back situation, but I just don't know about the health of of Chris Paul, and he's sitting there with five points through 16 minutes of action in the first half. You know, you look at 13 and a half points and only three assists, uh, so not on pace of his over on assists as well. Yeah, we talked about this ad nauseum. If Chris Paul wasn't going to be 100, percent it was going to impact the Suns negatively. And we're seeing it so far in the first half. He's got it wrapped up with that, you know, mm-hmm. KT tape or whatever it is. And he's trying his best. Obviously, it's the playoffs. He's trying to gut this thing out. But he's clearly not 100%. And he looks actually worse than what he looked like when he came back into the game after the injury in game one. So you just wonder how injured is Chris Paul. That's something to keep an eye on, not just for the rest of this game, Tim, but moving forward in this series. If the Lakers win this game, which we hope they do yes. uh, because of our, our wagers here, and we expected them to do, that's why we placed those wagers, if Chris Paul has to miss game three or if he's still playing hurt, this series might not go as long as people think. Yeah, so a six-point lead for the Lakers. Suns laying one in the second half. So Lakers a five-point favor for the remainder of the game. The Dallas Mavericks have a two-point lead over the Clippers with five and change to go in the second quarter. And you alerted me to a tweet from our own Paulie Howard, host of uh, co-host of Follow the Money in the Morning, and I don't like this tweet. I am. I is there a dislike button? I do not like <laughs> what Paulie Howard tweeted out. The Dallas Mavericks are twenty-eight zero this season when leading after the first quarter. Dislike. I just need them to win. I, I am cool with you winning. I want everybody to win their bets. Dallas plus seven, Clippers money line. I'm good with that, but. A Dallas win would would not be enjoyable for me tonight. I'll absolutely take that. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> we can both be happy. I want everybody to be happy. Yeah. We try to give you both sides of the coin here. The reasons why Tim was on the Clippers, the reasons why I was on the Dallas Mavericks. We're looking at the pacing so far. We're looking at this game. It's probably going to finish around the 210, 215 mark, looking what it's on pace for. Right now, it's 53-54, and there's still five minutes to go here. Yeah, you're probably it, looking it, like 225 Yeah, you could get it up there. So the pace actually favors the Clippers a little bit. If Dallas can slow it down like they had in the first quarter, then it's to their advantage. Uh, Luka's getting everybody involved, which is good uh, if if Tim Hardaway keeps shooting and if other players contribute. Hopefully, Kristaps Porzingis gets a couple more points. Uh, This game, 
I expected it to be close throughout. I don't know if the Clippers are going to win. I don't know if Dallas is going to win, but I do know that it should be close going down to the final five minutes. Come on, Clippers. Just get it done. Uh, Jordan, uh, by the way, hey, overtime again in the Stanley Cup playoffs. What a shocker. Every the, night. The Carolina Hurricanes, they take that seriously. They were down 2-1 in the third period. Jordan Stahl, your game winner early in overtime. The Carolina Hurricanes now up three games to two over the Predators. They come back. They win tonight and take that 3-2 series lead. Fade Jacob deGrom. It's a thing for this guy. We'll discuss that process next right here on the Nightcap. on vcin.com every day we're posting the latest betting splits on every game in the major sports with current odds and what percentage of bets and money are being placed on each game check this info daily to find out which games are seeing the most tickets written and if that matches the money coming in on those games to help you find a betting edge and of course we have all the odds data and analysis for every game as well start your next sports bet at vsin.com. It is the nightcap here on vsin and the Lakers jumping out to a 8-1 run to start the second half. They lead 61 to 48. <laughs> enjoyable for the two of us. Uh what has not been that enjoyable as you know. I mean yes, maybe you're the one person out there who's made some sort of parlay that was no sweat. But there's always a sweat in a parlay and for me it's the biggest favorite of the 3. Because last night the Nuggets were a no sweat. The Lakers aren't there yet, so I'm not going to count that. But the Clippers, man, this has been an absolute back and forth battle. And the Clippers at times seem like they have no answer. They trail right now 60 to 58 against the Clippers. Uh, the Mavericks lead the Clippers, I should say, 63 to 58. They are hitting everything, Scott, right now. They are. Eight for 12 from three. Yeah, second chance points are huge, too. We just saw a rebound get kicked out for a wide-open three-pointer. So the Clippers are doing a bad job on the offensive boards. The Mavericks are doing a great job of getting themselves second chance opportunities and converting those second chance opportunities. And if they continue this pace, it's going to be a long night for the Clippers. As Luka Doncic buries another three, this team is unconscious, right? They, once they, they have no answer. No answer for Luka Doncic. By the way, this is the team they wanted. This is who they wanted to play. <laughs> oh, we want the Mavericks. And the Mavericks didn't want the Clippers, uh, but they are playing out of their minds. Luka Doncic already with 23 points in this game. 66-61 to 61 as Paul George throws down a dunk, so a three-point game. Uh, we'll keep you updated as these games continue. Lakers at a media timeout up by 15, which we like. All right, you... I don't know if you mentioned it on the air. You did. When we looked ahead to today's baseball card, baseball slate, you looked at Jacob Durham coming off the IL and was making the start against the Colorado Rockies. And anytime Jacob Degrom was on the hill, the Mets are a massive favorite because he's the best pitcher in the game. Mm -hmm. You have, and I've noticed it on Twitter for quite some time, you have been all in on fading Jacob Degrom. While straight up that may not be advantageous when you look at the juice. It usually works out. 
It's the most profitable system, in my opinion, in all of Major League Baseball. Second to Jacob DeGrom, first five unders. <laughs> yes, the which Ma- came home again yes, today. Jacob DeGrom, first five unders this season are 7-0. and And despite the line today, which was three, the total was three <laughs> for the first five innings, it still came home. It was 1-1 after five innings. But fading Jacob DeGrom, what does that mean? I'm not knocking Jacob DeGrom. He is, as you said, the best pitcher in all of baseball. In fact, since 2018... Jacob DeGrom, and that was his first Cy Young season. He has been the most dominant pitcher in Major League Baseball with an ERA around two. Better than Garrett Cole, better than Clayton Kershaw, better than anybody else you want to throw out there. Jacob DeGrom has been the best pitcher in Major League Baseball since 2018. However, the New York Mets have a losing record in all the games that Jacob DeGrom has pitched since 2018. 40 and 45 right now in Jacob DeGrom starts dating back to that season. A lot of factors come into play here. The run support is absolutely pathetic. And we see this from time to time when teams have their ace on the hill. The offense kind of takes the day off Mm -hmm. knowing that they don't have to do too much because their ace is going to pick up the slack on the hill. The Mets have produced about four runs per nine innings for Jacob DeGrom. It's the third worst in Major League Baseball since that 2018 season. But also of note, and this season it hasn't happened as much, which is could be a good sign for the DeGrom and Mets fans, bad signs for me, the bullpen has blown 31 games that Jacob DeGrom left in a position to pick up the W. So now think about Jacob DeGrom's win-loss record over the last three, four seasons. And think about the 31 blown saves by the bullpen with a chance to leave that game and pick up the W. Now, if you're keeping the stats this season, and we show it to you on the screen, it is three and four that DeGrom fade, meaning the Mets have actually won four games that DeGrom has pitched, and they've lost three games that DeGrom has pitched. However, if you just look at the juice, you are up 241 betting against the Mets every time Jacob DeGrom pitches, despite being three and four. Tonight, the Rockies were plus 230. It was 1-1 after 5. Jacob DeGrom left the game early. There was a chance there. Rockies didn't get it done. Mets come through. The Mets will continue to be a heavy favorite every time Jacob DeGrom is on the hill. And you will continue to make money if you bet on the other side. Because all it takes is one of those wins and the clock resets back. At plus 241 right now, if the Mets win the next two games that Jacob DeGrom pitches, I'm still up $41. And up next for the Mets is the Atlanta Braves and that offense, which I will be very happy to back at a plus money price. Yeah, and that, is it in Atlanta? In Atlanta. So that'll be maybe one of the shorter prices you'll get uh, for Jacob DeGrom. But I I would say this, you know, Jacob DeGrom only went five innings. Remember, he's coming off the IL, so this is a pretty good time. Now, it didn't work out tonight, as you mentioned, but this is a good time because how deep in games is he going to go? You know, in that next start, is he going to be full go to go nine innings? Um, but yeah, I, I've noticed you've been, you know, riding this and um, you, you think about, and I'm so grateful, by the way, I think this, uh, this segment was uh, Jeff Parle's worst nightmare, you know, Mets fan, just, <laughs> just hearing you uh, bring up the fact that they can't support Jacob deGrom, but I'm, I, I love, and I know the old school, uh, old school folks out there disagree, but what, he won the Cy Young, I think, with 10 wins. They're at home against the Braves, though. So, okay. now so that'll that's be a better, better, price. better price for me. Yeah, that'll be, that's, uh, yeah it's much better. So um, there was another guy, not uh, someone who got off to a start similar, maybe even better than 
Jacob deGrom, which was uh, Corbin Burns. Yes. He was on the hill tonight taking on the San Diego Padres. Now, they won, and they snapped the Padres' winning streak. And Joe Musgrove, you know, when we talked about this last night, I liked the Padres. I played them Padres at a plus price, Scott. Joe Musgrove didn't even go five innings. So I, I got a bit fortunate there. Mm-hmm. But Corbin Burns, who's been so tremendous this year, but going up against a lineup like the Padres, and I'm getting plus money on the Padres, who are one of the hottest teams of baseball. I mean, you look at the Rays, the way that they're playing, and then the Padres are not far behind in just how they're playing right now. You're getting a plus money on, on a team like that with Joe Musgrove on the hill. So the Padres were a, a nice winner today. So it is something to keep an eye on. Absolutely. Who's starting, and is that price going to be inflated? We'll get you updated. Lakers and Mavs is just out of control, man. It isn't even at halftime yet. We're almost at 70 apiece. Lakers and Suns as well. Uh, the Suns trying to claw their way back in. And Aaron Rodgers. Couldn't go a day without talking Aaron Rodgers. We'll discuss that next. Where could he land this fall? It's the nightcap. You're on Visa. It is the nightcap here on Visa, and what a first half it was, Scott. In Los Angeles, they're at the break. First half total between the Clippers and Dallas Mavericks tonight was 110. That's about average, you know, league average. You know, uh, as we show the graphic, man, way to help me out there, graphics people. <laughs> 144 points in the first half. 73-71, Scott, at the half. The Clippers have taken that lead. And you know what? This score's fine with both of us. Two-point Clippers lead. This is this is just fine. Luka Doncic has been out of his mind in this game, as is pretty much everyone. Uh, let's just go down the stat sheet. Luka Doncic, 23 points, 9 of 13 from the field. Uh, Porzingis only has 10. needs to pick up the pace. Tim Hardaway Jr., 13 points, three threes. Uh, Maxi Kleber, 12 points, two threes already. Then you look at Kawhi Leonard, Cash it, 30 points, Scott, in the first half for the Los Angeles Clippers. We saw a boatload of scoring in the final five minutes of that second quarter. Remember when I was making a point and I was looking up at the scoreboard and it was, what, 52-51 with five minutes or so to go? And and I said, oh, we're going to get probably 215, 220, you said, in this game. And then both teams scored 20 points each in the final five minutes of the second quarter. You're under a shot if you bet the under in this game. The over is probably looking, what's the live total now? It's got to be in the 230-something range. Uh, This is just a very intriguing game, an intriguing matchup. And we're okay if it goes even the rest of the way. Clippers win, Mavericks get the cover. Well, your live total, you asked for it. We'll show it uh, from the folks at DraftKings, 252. Oh, my goodness. And the second half total here at Cirque is 107, and that would make it 251. Uh, And you're looking at Clippers minus three second half, which wouldn't get you all the way back to the pre-flop number, which went off seven. 73-71, Clippers leading the Mavericks at the half. How do you touch the second half under? You know, last night we talked about it with Denver yeah. and uh, and but Portland. That was but it was a, it was blowout. a blowout. Yeah. So I like the under. I no way do I touch the under 107 when you just had 144 points scored. I understand where they're why they're making this number what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wouldn't touch it. No overtimes chance. in play also. Absolutely. Uh, so we will see. There there should be some aggression. Uh, looking at three point props. Uh, Paul George was three and a half. Prior to the game, he's 0 for 4. Uh, Kawhi Leonard has already banged three threes home. I don't even know if he had a three-point prop 
in this game. And uh, you look at Luka Doncic, he was two and a half. He's already got three, so you can cash over on Luka Doncic on his point total prop there. Uh, we got a media timeout with the Lakers and the Suns. 67-59, so a run here for the Suns after a 10-1 run to start the second half for the Lakers. Scott, 67-59 to right now. The Lakers do have a lead. And LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Andre Drummond all have 13 points. Leading scorer for the Lakers, Dennis Schroeder, 22 points in this game. And... Uh, Chris Paul still is on the bench. He is He's banged up, and that's something we talked about yesterday. I think a big reason why we both went in on the Lakers tonight uh, was because the health of Chris Paul and the, just the bounce-back nature of this situation for the Lakers as the Lakers just had a horrible possession not knowing uh, the shot clock. And it almost felt like on that possession... Anthony Davis looks a bit hesitant offensively. Yeah. And, and, I, and that does not make us. It's bothering that, me. That a is lot. not good for us on our well, over 25 and a half. It's bothering me a lot. He's got 13 points right now. We need more from him offensively, and we don't need him to pass the ball back to Schroeder after he passes it to him. We need him to take that shot or back in the defender. And I don't know if it's Aiton as the reason why he's so hesitant, but yeah, we need Anthony Davis to step it up, and we would expect him to step it up, knowing the moment, obviously, and the way that he performed in Game 1. If you're looking at the assist total for LeBron James, something that we wanted to keep an eye on before the game, he's got seven so far here in this game, and that number should get to the double-digit figure. So LeBron James only with the one rebound, though, so triple-double not looking great, but the double-double certainly in play with LeBron James. I would expect him to get three more assists. Yeah, I would think uh, you're nothing's too safe but I would think that's a, a good uh, good position to be in so we'll get you we'll get back to the NBA and we'll we'll revisit that Nets impressive performance today uh, some odds that are out there regarding NBA finals MVP we'll get to that at the top of the hour but when it comes to the NFL all people can talk about right now yesterday was Julio Jones and Aaron Rodgers maybe said whoa 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 this is my offseason uh, you need to talk about me. So he went on SportsCenter last night with Kenny Mayne, the, uh, the finale for Kenny Mayne, uh, one of the goats. God, I loved watching those sports centers growing up. Um, and had some interesting comments, nothing too uh, outlandish, but you know, hearing Doug Farrar earlier in the show saying that he just doesn't believe that Aaron Rodgers is with them week one, uh, this was part of the quote last night from Aaron Rodgers. Scott, I'm curious to get your thoughts on on what's next for Aaron Rodgers. With my situation, look, it's never been about the draft pick, picking Jordan. I love Jordan. He's a great kid. We've had a lot of fun together. Love the coaching staff. Love my teammates. Love the fan base in Green Bay. An incredible 16 years. It's just kind of about a philosophy and maybe forgetting that it is about the people that make the thing go. It's about character. It's about culture. It's about doing the things the right way. So that was Aaron Rodgers yesterday. I, so I do a hit on a morning show every day in Milwaukee. And it's fascinating to hear how their opinion changes. Some days it's just get rid of him. He's a diva. Mm. Other days it's we can't let him go. Um, this is a complicated issue. But I think Doug hit on something earlier in the show that makes a lot of sense. The Minnesota Vikings called Kirk Cousins and said, hey, we might draft a quarterback in the third round. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, with a 43-year-old quarterback, said, we're probably going to draft Kyle Trask in the second round. 
Aaron Rodgers did not receive any notification. And I'm not saying that he should have received, he should have had input. But they should have told him that this was going to happen. They trade up. So I understand where he's coming from. And when we look at the odds of where he'll take his first snap, I think that's a good way to phrase it. Because my gut tells me he's not going to play for the Packers. And he's willing to sit and and ride this thing out. And that's just and I feel like it changes Scott from day to day. I feel like last week I was he'll play week one. And now I'm I'm starting to feel like, I don't know, maybe he just sits out and he he waits for him to it's, get traded like Carson Palmer. It's an interesting point. It's an interesting thing you just said. Does he sit out? Because I'm starting to get vibes from Aaron Rodgers that he doesn't really care about playing. And I'm not saying he's going to retire. I'm not saying that he's going to host Jeopardy because it's obviously the money's not going to be there. No. Nope. Although there are people who do say that Aaron Rodgers would have a very bright future if he did decide to host Jeopardy or another type of game show like that. He's got a lot of aspirations for things beyond football. Um, does it have to do with his, you know, actress, future wife? I don't know. Uh, but everything that you're hearing from Aaron Rodgers, everything that you're reading and what you're seeing, it's something about it just tells me that he's content either sitting out and waiting until things go his way or not playing. And to me, it's return to the Packers or he does not play in 2021. And remember, he has the same agent, and this has been brought up a couple times, it's the same agent, David Dunn, as Carson Palmer did. When Carson Palmer sat out the first, what was it, six games, I want to say, a handful of years ago before he got traded to the Oakland Raiders. Um, so he's made so much money. Um, he would obviously have to give it back. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would have to give back part of his signing bonus. I think total, if he retired, I think he would have to give back somewhere in the ballpark of $23 million. You know, if you're the Packers, what well, do you do? Maybe it's not retirement. Maybe it's right. just sitting out for well, a year. If you're the Packers, what do you do? Because I think right now you can get a really nice return. Now, is it good enough to replace the reigning MVP? No, but do you get two first rounds, two second rounds, and a a young player? I think it's very possible. I think Denver, once again, I know they remain the favorites. They're the most interesting to me. Mm -hmm. They did not. They traded for Teddy Bridgewater. So what? He's a glorified backup in this league. They did not draft a quarterback. They were sitting there at nine. They could have drafted Justin Fields. They got Patrick Sertan to shore up their defense. So to me, it, it almost feels like, the Broncos are just pushing everything in, saying, "Sure, let's do it." Now, could that just be me being crazy? Very well possible. I'm kind of a crazy person, but I, it, it just it feels like Denver would be that team who would willing to be like, "Yeah, whatever you want. You want our first next next two years. You want Drew Locke. You want a young receiver. You can have it." And I think that would be a really advantageous spot for, for Aaron Rodgers. Well, the only time go. the only time Elway's hit on a quarterback is when he's acquired a great Peyton one Manning. by a trade. Yeah. So if it's Peyton Manning, now it's going to be Aaron Rodgers. But I'd love to see odds on Aaron Rodgers pulling a Le'Veon Bell. Sitting you out know, the year. Sit out the year, and then he gets the trade next year. Uh, I don't think that that is so far-fetched. I think that that might be on the table for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, it, 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 wouldn't, it, it wouldn't shock me. I, I don't know what to really think about uh the whole situation when it comes to Aaron Rodgers and I uh, I think going back to our interview that we had you know last hour where it almost felt like now he had that interview with uh, I forget who it was from from the NFL morning show um where he said you know he was surprised about the decision mm-hmm. uh to draft a quarterback 
But for the most part, it felt like he kind of kept those feelings in. It was like, I'll show them. Yeah, and then yeah. he goes out and wins MVP. And now he's making this big stink. Now the feelings have really come out. Because if he didn't play well, then the Packers would have been brilliant. They were like, look, he was on the decline. And instead, he exceeded all expectations, wins league MVP. And now he's saying... Look, this is on you. You 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 made this mess. Time to clean it up. Remember, he also had issues with the hiring of LaFleur, and that's worked out so well. Yeah, he's he's like Matt LaFleur, or uh, but he didn't like Mike McCarthy, uh, that is for sure. Let's get you updated on uh, two wild games going on. Uh, the folks in Phoenix getting pretty fired up. Do the Suns have a chance to come back and take this one from the Lakers? We'll update you on Lakers-Suns, Clippers-Mavs next right here on the Nightcap. <laughs> 